All right. Good morning, everybody. Mike Courtney here, Mass Mutual, Eastern Pennsylvania, and joined as always week to week by my good friend and counterpart, Steve Parisi, president and CEO of IBC Global. Good morning, Steve. Morning, Mike. How are you? Good. Real good. Good. So today uh, we've got two uh, pretty relatable topics um, that we're going to talk about. And uh, first, you know, we're going to jump right into some different what if scenarios during the sales process. So uh, this kind of, you know, Steve and I prep a little bit for these calls, but this rang true for me years ago. Um, I, when I was first first started working with Mass Mutual, we were facing a lot of competition from uh, very similar looking limited pay whole life product from MetLife at the time, mm-hmm. uh, really strong cash accumulation. And, you know, was, you know, every couple of years, something comes onto the market that that's attractive and competitive. And, you know, it seems like everybody gravitates towards it. Started noticing that um, illustrations that I was looking at never solved for income, um, never solved for any kind of distribution coming out of the policy. And when we started to tinker around with it, we found that those policies really w- were not great uh, income distribution vehicles. You know, even if cash accumulation outperformed a mass or a guardian or a New York life, when it came time to actually accessing that yeah. cash value, um, it was pretty significantly off. So. Uh, you know, if you've got $100,000 of cash value, but it's only going to yield a certain amount of distribution versus lesser cash accumulation and more distribution, um, you really kind of have to look at that. You don't know unless your advisor really runs you through a bunch of different scenarios. Um, and I've seen that live at work with you and your team time and time again, where, you know, how important is it to kind of go the extra mile up front? Even if you have somebody maybe conceptually on board, taking those couple of extra steps, like, hey, let's take a look and stress test in this way, or let's take a look and and see what it's going to look like under these circumstances. How's that worked out for you guys? Yeah, definitely. And that's something I like to do all the time. And a lot of times I go overboard with it. I won't show everything to the client, but I'll look at it for myself to make sure things are set up properly for the client, um, specifically seeing the, those what if scenarios. Hey, what does it look like if they underfund? I know they're planning to pay in this much money for this long and it looks good, guaranteed, non-guaranteed, but if they don't pay the money in, it could go south. And I just wanna see those scenarios. The main reason why is because if I flip positions with them, what I'm looking for is if I'm that person, is there something here that I want to know up front before I dedicate money to the policy. And I don't want to be surprised about it down the road to prevent that. Oh, well, that would have been nice if I would have known that before putting money into the policy, because that's my worst fear. I think it's a lot of agents' worst fears where you've got a fantastic relationship with a prospect. They become a client. They like you. Everything is going well. And then something happens. They can't pay as much in that they thought they that they thought they originally could. The product underperforms for whatever reason, um, or it's because they paid less money in. And now you've got to have that conversation with them. And during that conversation, they say, wait a minute. I thought it worked like this based on what you told me before. And the agent feels like saying, well, 
yeah, but you didn't put as much money in that you thought that we said you were going to do. Right. But how would you feel if somebody says, well, yeah, you know, because you're having a financial hardship and you didn't fund the thing, you know, that's the problem here. Maybe it's almost you're into the deal. Dude, like that's just going to cause a boxing match because that you can't do that to people. So if you can look at that stuff up front and then during the conversation say, okay, everything's set up exactly how we discussed. But by the way, here's what it looks like if your plan is to pay in 100K per year for 10 years. Here's what it looks like if you get 100K in just the first year and the minimum thereafter. 100K in the first year, then maybe you end up stopping after the fifth year. Here's a, just a couple different scenarios to show one, you can do this, because often what happens, it, uh, it backfires almost in a good way where they say, oh, well, I really like that option more. I'm gonna fund it for a shorter period of time. Right. But, but it also says, okay, thanks for showing me that. You know what? Let's actually start it out where I pay in 50K per year because I know I can hit that and after I get into it a couple of years, if I've got more money, then I'll look at a new policy and I'm fine with the startup costs again. Everyone's different. Some people will go higher, but it's just seeing that up front. Um, we found a lot of people have appreciated that, particularly business owners where their cash flow fluctuates and engineers who like to see those different what if scenarios, the analytical type of individual. Tough spot though, because you're, you know, if I'm your client or prospect and I'm, you know, fairly committed to moving forward yeah. and, um, you know, already, you know, pretty fairly educated about the product and the process and what my goals and objectives are and how we're going to accomplish them. And I'm asking you for some kind of specific case design or premium outlay or time frame. You're coming back to me at that point with more than what I asked for in an effort to uh, avoid any kind of misunderstanding down the road, which, you know, is kind of contrary to, you know, as a salesperson, it's kind of like you got the yes, you got the sale, clo you know, close. That would be like the typical <laughs> mentality. Stop talking, stop yeah. offering up more, you know, so it's a, and it's a, it's, it's a tough spot. Yeah, without being information overload either, because that I've been guilty of that many times. Um, so that's something I've, I'm always working on. What I'll do is once we've narrowed down things to the option that the individual wants to move forward with, say it's a you know some product, the company they prefer, is at that point in time with that option, look at the the final finished product or likely what they're going to get uh, throughout the underwriting process after approval and then show one or two what if scenarios as I look at them. So this way, it's not overwhelming because in the beginning, we're often showing illustrations with different companies and products, loan scenarios. There's a lot in the beginning. This way, as people are shopping the different options, they can see everything. Like they're going online to Amazon or to a store, they can pick the one that they're, they're most comfortable with and we're helping them throughout the process. But then once we start to narrow things down, at that point in time, that's where I'm going to slide in the additional scenario, which is not a change to the product they've looked at. It's the one that we've already decided on, they're most comfortable with that, and now all I'm doing is showing a different variation, assuming that 
let's say it's your policy, you run into a financial hardship three years from now and you can pay just the minimum or zero. And here's exactly what the policy will look like. Um, I say exact, if you look at the guaranteed, non-guarantees, it'll be a little different, but you know what I mean. Um, but you can see that up front and say, okay, here's how much less I'll have in cash value. Here's the impact of my death benefit. I'm looking at it to make sure we don't mech or anything wacky like that. Um, but it is toward the end. And then this way it keeps it easier for you as the consumer and also on our team. This way we're not doing it for every variation because that would just be overwhelming. Like that, that would be foolish, I think. I think it definitely, yeah, I, I, without a doubt. Um, I, I, I think uh, the amount of time that I've spent with you guys and your team, it definitely has helped with um, reducing whatever you want to call it, buyer's remorse or issues with enforced clients. I mean, I can't tell you how many times over the years I've been involved in a sale and then five years later um, on a call with the advisor and the advisor has language that sounds like, you know, we need to resell this or, you know, it's a, it's a client who um, kind of forgets what they were doing or why they started doing this or doesn't really understand what's going on. And you, you guys have done a real good job of, um, you know, I wouldn't say over educating, but really making sure that you have educated clients who understand what they're doing, understand these different what ifs and what can happen um, so that when it comes to enforced servicing, uh, it's not a total nightmare. Yeah. And that happens in the industry so much. I've seen that happen where agents and advisors do have to resell clients because I remember there's a case, someone had bought a policy, it was about 10 years or so old, um, and it was just about at the break-even point. I didn't sell the policy, obviously. I was new in the industry at this point in time. But the cash value, they had a little bit less, I believe, than what they had paid in. And what had happened is a financial advisor was now working with that client um, that did not work with the firm that the original agent sold the policy and saying, like, well, why are you doing this? Like, you got a negative hit over 10 years. The policy just looks horrible over time. And there's a, a joint call with the client the financial advisor advising to cash the policy out and put it into their investments or whatever it was. And then the agent who had sold the policy originally. And like, that's not comfortable as you can imagine. Um, I got to hear that call and what had occurred as far as the reselling is the agent who originally sold the policy tried to steer clear of any details around the cash value, the performance, what the advisor was trying to get at and trying to resell. Well, if you put the money in the market, the market could tank, you could lose all your money, you've got the tax benefits here. The same sales pitch as the beginning, um, which when you're dealing with people's money there, that can be frustrating. Like I, I reflect on that situation now, like if I'm the consumer, I might think, okay, yeah, here's a couple of things to resell it. But my question is this. What's it performing? Like, what's the growth rate? I'm comparing it to this. Like, just be direct and upfront with that. And if you lose it, that's okay. At least, you know, this way everything's upfront and I can make an informed decision. But if you're trying to win like that boxing match, makes everyone uncomfortable and it causes a lot of unnecessary stress, man. Like, nobody wants that. <laughs> Sorry, I went off on a tangent there. No, you're right. I mean, you know, and I, I've been struck by that over the last couple of years with uh, all the, you know, we've talked about uh, kind of ad nauseum, all the product changes and <laughs> section 7702. And at one point, something just kind of rang in my head, like, 
these things just, this is what it is. You know, I mean, this is, you know, it's much better to just be like, here's where we are. This is what this thing does. This is how it's going to perform with some, you know, obvious, obviously there's some, some variable um, performance in there, Um, you know, and just be upfront and, uh, and straightforward. Uh, But I have been, I've been um, both impressed and surprised by, you know, the volume of business that you guys do and the type of business that you do. And it's very sticky and typically it's not, you know, I know other folks that I deal with who have a real niche or a focus on whole life or cash accumulation, like they're, they're dealing with on a regular basis, a lot of clients who then down the road are being wooed by uh, wealth accumulation folks or, um, you know, somebody at one of the big banks and, um, you know, who just kind of poo-poos yep. this thing. Thanks for mentioning that. Like where I see people struggle with sales and a consumer wants to work with one individual or one company versus another, um, where you see that wavering back and forth from a statistical standpoint, like the numbers of people doing it is really based on emotion more than the numbers. Um, A lot of people we work with, right? We do always try and build the rapport, the relationship that's important. Uh, But at the same time, they're interested in the numbers. Like that's what we lead with so they can see how it works up front and they can select the option that they want. And then we'll provide more education and such throughout the process. Um, But if you buy a product from me and you don't have any degree or a very low level of certainty regarding how it works, you look at your cash value and think, why is it taking so long to get my money back again? Like, why, why did I do that? When I talked to you, you said something that made sense, but I'm looking at my money again. It's taken seven, 10 years just to get it back. Like, why am I doing this? It makes it so easy for someone else to come in and just pluck it from you and say, okay, you know, hey, I'm great too. I've got all this stuff. And by the way, like, why'd you do that? And then the other advisor agent immediately gets defensive and they start fighting and they lose focus to the consumer. It's like, don't do that kind of stuff. Um, But this is a long-winded explanation. Usually when the sale is more emotion-driven than it is, you know, fact-driven or data-driven, if you want to call that, call it that. More suspect, yeah. That's usually where you see more of those situations that you explained, or at least where I've seen more of them, um, where you have to go resell it, fight fight to keep the customer there because they don't have the certainty. That's it. Like just answer the question thoroughly, even if it's bad news, you got to give them. Like some of our most successful marketing content is when we're talking about the negative aspects of whole life insurance. Right, we talk about the positive, the negative, everything, and that's what we sell: whole life insurance, <laughs> cash value. But some of our most popular content is where we're talking about the negative aspects. I think it's just because people want to know. Okay, I hear all this great stuff from a salesperson, but what are the drawbacks? Why do people cancel it? What don't they like? Whatever you want to talk about. I mean, there's a million things there. Um, but it's important just to be transparent, if you want to call it that. Without a doubt. So everybody out there, if you're listening and you want to take a deeper dive on any of these topics, you know, Steve and I uh, always like to dive deep, especially Steve with the, the, what, the, what ifs I think could get out of control in your office. There's, there's what ifs hanging from the rafters. (laughs) Yeah. It's, that's my fault. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's great. But also, Hey, one last point before we go, I feel like that those kind of endless what if scenarios are 
one of the things that have really helped you identify little nuances with certain products when there's a product change or a loan interest rate changes, you know, if it's not for you, your team, people like us tinkering around with the product, you're not going to find those little things. You're not. No, like if you know the game, right? So if you're a good quarterback in a system and you know that playbook inside out, you can call an audible. The team knows it too. And you're going to move right down the field to score a touchdown because you know it inside and out. Right? You're a master of the game. Um, so knowing that software inside and out, the rules that different companies offer, um, contract language and such, their memos, like all of that stuff helps so much. So when you run into something, you're like, okay, no, like here's how I can get around it now. I don't have to try and pull my way through like a lot of people will do. Like, oh, just take a sidestep and move forward. Like that, that's it there. Um, so it, it's understanding all of that in and out and the years of practice. I mean, that definitely definitely pays off and it will for any agent or advisor. Absolutely. So yeah. listen, you heard it from Steve. If you want to know the playbook, we've been here for years. We know it inside and out and we're here to help. So yeah. reach out to Steve, reach out to myself, Mike Courtney, and everybody have a great week. Thanks, Thanks Steve. Mike. Appreciate your time. Thank you. Mm -hmm.